from the psalmist, but I will read the title out of the conviction that that's part of Holy Scripture. This is God's word. A psalm. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and all the peoples with equity. Read that far in God's word. We tend to only think of singing for joy when times are good. But in the life of the Old Testament psalmist and in the life of the New Testament apostles, there's an important reminder for us that singing for joy is an expression of God providing us with strength even during difficulties. In the first century, the apostle Paul and his companion Silas were being unjustly held in prison for the sake of the gospel. What did they do while they were in prison? Imagine yourself today and Thanksgiving Day being in prison was the first thing you would think of in the morning. Acts 16.25 tells us that Paul and Silas sang praises to God, singing from prison. What, What sort of religion allows you to do that, equips you to do that? And why? Why would they sing from prison? Because even though they were, and even while they were in prison bodily, they knew they were rescued spiritually and rescued in the future, rescued ultimately. So this truth in believers in the Old Testament, this truth in believers in the New Testament is confirmed in believers in church history. These last 2,000 years, lives of persecuted believers give us story after story of the same basic truth, the ability of a Christian, a believer in this God, to sing his praises through difficulty. Consider the report of one pastor who during our lifetime was imprisoned for his faith. Quote, when we were in prison... We sang almost every day because Christ was alive in us. The guards put chains on our hands and feet to add to our grief, yet we discovered that the chains were splendid musical instruments. We clanged them together in rhythm, much like the children clap hands. We could sing, this is the day, clink, clank. This is the day, clink, clank, which the Lord has made, clink, clank, which the Lord has made, clink, clank. You see the victory, you see the joy in singing, even in prison. Well, that is an introduction. Our main point uh, drawn from this psalm, as we'll see, is because our king has rescued us, our response is singing for joy. It's not based on circumstances. It's not based on what's going on this year, last year, or next year. It's always the case. This psalm presents historic truth, perennial truth, eternal truth, Because our king has rescued us, our response is singing for joy. We'll see our rescue in verses 1 to 3, our victory song, verses 4 to 6, and our backup chorus, verses 7 to 9. First, our rescue. In verse 1, it's known that God has done marvelous things. So, how should we respond? Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. 
That's how we should respond. And what does God do to rescue his people? Well, that is known. It's reported on here. Our response to that marvelous action of God is new songs and singing about that rescue. It's known, for example, that God's salvation has been worked by God's right hand and by God's holy arm. So how should we respond? Back to the top of the psalm. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Verse 2 continues that God himself has made known his salvation actions because God has covenanted to rescue his people and then God did, in fact, in time, rescue his people. Promised to do so and then did so. He revealed his own righteousness by the consistency of words and actions. What he said he would do, he did, which shows his righteousness. Verse 2, he has revealed his righteousness. All have seen the salvation of our God. So how should we respond? Back to the top. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Then continue to verse 3. God himself knew. God himself remembered his actions to rescue his people Israel. But God was not the only one who knew about his actions to rescue his people. God's rescuing efforts had been made known and revealed in the sight of the nations. Yes, by by the end of verse 3, worldwide knowledge of our rescuing God's actions was celebrated by singing these words, verse 3, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So how should we respond? Oh, sing to the Lord a new song is how the people of God should respond because God's rescue is made known to all the nations. Now, what's the driving force behind this rescue? Verse 3 tells us that also. God has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. So again, what's the driving force behind this rescue? Love. God's steadfast love. God was faithful to his loving promise. So how should we respond? Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. You fast forward. This is what the Virgin Mary did. She sang a new song. The same themes as we see here in Psalm 98, but a new song, a new arrangement. There's no other message than the message of God's mighty acts and his salvation and rescue. And so she took the same truths and put them into her own song. Just consider the remarkable similarity between Psalm 98 and Mary's song in Luke 1. Just a few highlighted points here for you on that. Verse 1, we saw Psalm 98, he has done marvelous things. And Luke 1:49 in Mary's song, he who is mighty has done great things for me. The second one, verse 1, we saw his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. And Luke 1.51, we read, he has shown strength with his arm. Psalm 98.2, the Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. Luke 1.50, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And we saw here in verse 3, he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. And listen to Mary in Luke 1.54, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. I got one more. Here in verse 4, Psalm 98, 4, make a joyful noise to the Lord. And Mary writes, as Luke reports in chapter 1, verses 47 and 46 and 47, my soul magnifies, exalts from which we get the word magnificat, Mary's song, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So starting with the Old Testament believer here in the Psalms, Then continuing with New Testament believers, such as Mary, and then the Apostle Luke, who wrote down Mary's new song, since that time down to today, the Christian missionaries, in their task, it is being made known to the nations, the best rescue that was ever offered. That rescue, of course, is accomplished finally 
through the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ and through the cross and the victory of his rising again, we are rescued from our sins. We're rescued from our wayward leaning. We're rescued from the consequences of our sins, which is our own death. We're rescued from the world, eventually, and it would try to pull us back into sin, and we're rescued even from the evil one. All this is our rescue, seen in both the Old and New Testaments. It's our first point. Move on to the second point, our victory song. Verse 4 tells us to break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Verse 5 tells us to sing praises with the lyre and the sound of the melody. And building on what we saw at the top of the psalm, O sing to the Lord a new song, we get more involvement in verse 6, which tells us to sing with trumpets and the sound of the horn, and that the goal of our singing is to make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Now, what if you're not yet into it? What if you're still in that mindset where you think we don't have much for which to be joyful in song to God today? This Thanksgiving is a little down for me, a little dumpy for me. What if you're thinking that way and say, I don't really have much for which to be joyful. Let the trumpets do it. Let the horn do it. But I'm not sure I'm in. And the answer is to think differently. The answer is to realize the truth that we each have the same amount for which to be joyful in song. The same amount as all the others. The same amount. It's our full salvation, our full rescue, our full redemption. That that we studied in verses 1 to 3. How do we illustrate this, that the victory song is for us, it's for you, it's for me? Charles Spurgeon illustrated it. The story of a a ragged boy who came to church service, alone. Very young boy, surprisingly young, without a parent there, and came and sat in church. He sat in the front row. It was a country church, and this preacher would end the service, and he tried to talk to the boy after church, but he was quick and out the door, and happened again the next Sunday, happened again the next Sunday. He couldn't catch up with the young fellow. For a few weeks, the boy was missing from worship. The preacher didn't know why. He hadn't even learned the boy's name yet. One day, a man came to church to see the preacher, and he he asked the preacher to please come visit his son. Well, it turns out that's the same boy, because the boy had now become very sick, and now he lay actually in danger of dying. The man apologized that the preacher would need to travel the whole six miles to get to their home. And the preacher took note that six miles was how far the boy had been walking to get to worship each week. The father said to the preacher, he only asks for you. And he's speaking about things I do not understand. So the day came to the preacher to visit. He came to the poor shack in the desolate mountain valley. Father was there and welcomed the preacher, thanked him for coming Invited him into the shack. He went in and found the boy in a corner on the floor on a straw mat. When the boy saw the preacher, he, he looked up and mustered all his strength. He sat up on his mat and he stretched out his frail little arms and he said, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. And using all of his energy, he lay back down. Shortly after that, the boy died. Now, come on, Pastor, what kind of story is that on Thanksgiving? What are you doing to us? You're just stirring up our emotions here? This is a perfect illustration of what we're talking about here. Our victory song includes us. Our God is the type of God who rescues boys who understand who God is. Where's the rescue, you ask, in the story you just told? Look for it. Our God rescued that boy from eternal death. 
Our God can give true faith to a young child, a faith that conquers his sickness, though it doesn't look like it from the outside. A faith that can give him the joy of rescue now that we can detect. And later, the actual rescue from eternal death forevermore. There's rescue in that story. We've each lived on earth much longer than that boy did, but in the perspective of eternity, all of us, that boy and you and me, have the same amount for which to be joyful. That's the purpose of me telling this story. We have the same amount for which to be thankful and joyful. The amount is full rescue. Everything that comes with a great salvation. We have Christ. We have all that Christ offers. Forgiveness, life, joy, a place in heaven. His promise, his presence. His right hand and his only arm working rescue for us. We can say with the boy, his only arm has worked salvation for me. We can say with the Virgin Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord. We can say with the psalmist in verse 1, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. We can say with the psalmist in verse 4, we break forth into joyous song and sing praises. John Wesley, we don't always agree with everything with John Wesley, but he had some great hymns that we still use. He has quite a life that we can borrow from. We borrow this. He used to tell his church, John Wesley would tell his church, uh, it's not fitting that after we called upon trumpets, we called upon the horn, we've called upon all the earth uh, to make noise to our God. And uh, we actually, the rescued ones, we the very living ones ourselves, sing praise as if we're half asleep or half dead. It's really not fitting to call upon trumpets and all the earth, and then we mumble our songs. So Pastor Wesley would prod his church, let us lift up our voices with strength and sing from hearts full of gratitude for our rescue. Long after all the nations, long after all the sports teams have been forgotten, we will still be victorious, and we will still be singing God's praises with joy. Let's sing our victory song with hearts that understand that. Then we move to our third point. What is this about a backup chorus? <laughs> Over in Psalm 47, verse 1, the Bible reads what you might understand. Uh, we would ordinarily think this is right. Clap your hands, all peoples. People have two hands. People can clap hands. That makes sense, Psalm 47, 1. But what is unique in Psalm 98 is bringing the components of nature into our backup choir, as it were, to accompany us in our singing worship to God, such as having the rivers clap their hands. Has anyone seen a river with hands? So what's happening here? The psalmist now says, who will sing along with us? And who will sing along with us, we ordinarily think of as inanimate objects. Verse 7, the sea. All that fills the sea are some fish and stuff, and we understand that, but they don't have hands necessarily, and they can't sing like we think of singing. And yet, all the land of the world, verse 7, and those who dwell on the land of the world will give you the dwellers on the land, but he's got more in mind than just the humans. All of the creatures he has in mind, in verse 7. Just like all of the fishes he has in mind in the sea. Verse 8, the rivers and the hills, which are symbolic of the rest of all creation. Has he not listed enough? The tank of the aquarium includes all the fish in it. And so if you say all the sea and all the world and the rivers and the hills, you're talking about everything in the created order. To join with us, 
the people of earth to announce the coming of God, who will, as verse 9 says, come and judge the earth and judge the world. Okay, you've been to church a lot, right? You sang with us. Since the rivers and the hills are supposed to be backup singers for us, what are they waiting for? I've never heard the hills and the grass and the trees sing along with us. Go ahead and sing. What are you waiting for? Well, the Bible actually gives us an answer to that. The hills are waiting for Christians to receive the fullness of our salvation. Romans 8.19, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. In that passage in Romans 8 God reveals to us through Paul that all the parts of creation are waiting to join our singing until man, their master, has perfectly entered righteousness and equity, have perfectly perfectly and fully received our rescue. That only happens when Christ comes again. He's coming to grant to us the remainder of our salvation. We already have, but we don't yet have the fullness of our salvation. We're already saved, not yet fully receive all of its benefits. So here in Psalm 98, last verse, verse 9, human worshipers were worshiping God, celebrating the coming of Christ. And in verse 9, the key words are, for he comes. So listen to verses 8 and 9 put all together. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world and righteousness and the peoples with equity. Just as in the Old Testament, the believers anticipated the first coming of Christ, and there was much joy when Jesus came, as we'll celebrate in a few weeks again, the first Christmas, the coming of Christ, Christmas. Great joy all across the story of Christmas. So also in the New Testament, believers anticipate the second coming of Christ. And there will be much joy when Jesus comes again. The difference is that the joy is already with us now. The first coming of Christ has already happened. And so he brought us rescue. And he brought us the joy that belongs with that rescue. We stand in grace. Joy has begun. Let us begin the joyful singing and continue the joyful singing. See, the New Testament shows God the judge, as we talk about here in verse 9, is also God the rescuer, which we've been talking about through the psalm so far. He's both the rescuer and the judge. For example, Hebrews 10, 14, by a single offering, Christ has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Hebrews 10, 14. You see that God's judgment against our sins is seen in Christ being offered up. God's rescue is seen in Christ sanctifying us from our sins. So when we read this verse about he comes to judge the earth, he comes to judge the world in righteousness, we see in that our rescue. That we have his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ granted to us by faith. God's rescue is seen in Christ sanctifying us then from our sins, similar to the first coming of Christ. Also, the second coming of Christ will bring both God's judgment to some and God's rescue to us. And the creation is with us. The creation itself will celebrate with us the mighty rescue of God to us, his people, from our sins and forevermore. So what have we seen? Because our king has rescued us, our response is singing for joy. We saw our rescue, verses 1 to 3. We saw our victory song, verses 4 to 6. We saw our backup chorus, it's all of creation, verses 7 to 9. The conclusion, I'll say, we're not yet there with the elements of creation singing with us. You recognize that you, you, you can't hear the creation singing yet. 
but we've already begun that song. We're already singing it. Did I mention that we have the main melody? <laughs> we have the main melody. We're created in God's image. We're redeemed by Christ's righteousness. We are the children of God singing that main tune, the main melody, the actual song of rescue and salvation. We already have faith. We already have Christ. We already have rescue. And the rescue we already have today is the same rescue that will bring us all the way to heaven. And at a time in God's perfect providence, all the backup singers of creation will join us, as it were, in our song. The joy is in our singing already, even though we're not yet in heaven. In the novels called The Chronicles of Narnia, this is presented, when the land of Narnia was under the power of the wicked witch of the north, the land was always winter, never Christmas. Is that a nightmare? Always winter, never springtime. But when Aslan, the lion, Aslan, the Christ figure in the story, rose from the dead, the ice began to melt, the flowers began to bloom, the trees began to turn green like spring. All pictures, poetic, novel story pictures of what will actually be true. Springtime, rescue, salvation, being brought to God's presence in heaven. The sea will roar in support of singing words of praise to God the Creator. The rivers will clap their hands. We'll love to see it in confirmation of our songs. The hills will sing for joy right alongside of us. and We'll all be thankful for rescue. The joy of that song has already begun. Let that joy be ours. Ephesians 1, 7. In Christ we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, listen, things in heaven and things on earth. Ephesians 1, 7 to 10. Because our king has rescued us, our response is singing for joy. Let's pray. Father, we come on this Thanksgiving day to be reminded. We come this day in order to sing, to sing 